Welcome to my podcast on fear. I'm your host, Renee, and I'm presently in seminary, and I can honestly tell you I've experienced fear recently. Trying to memorize the small catechism has placed me in, well, a near catatonic state. What if I can't remember Luther's Was ist das, which is German for, what does this mean? I have to memorize the lines of the Lord's Prayer. Well, yeah, I did that in second grade. But then for each line, what does this mean? Or for the Ten Commandments, for each one, what does this mean? Or for the creed, my memory is not as sharp as it was years ago. What if I fail? I gave my first public sermon a few weeks ago, and I wasn't afraid while I was delivering it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. But I did have plenty of fear as I was preparing to deliver it. I kept thinking, what if I screw up? What if no one hears the word because I'm mumbling or I offend or I just plain botch it up? Whom shall I fear? Is fear a good thing or a bad thing or a it depends on what we're fearing kind of thing? Yeah, we live in fearful times, you might hear someone say. So what exactly is fear? And what does the Bible say about it? And should people of faith be fearful? We're going to dive into fear. And don't be afraid. I promise this podcast will reassure you. The Bible as you can imagine, has a lot to say about fear. Fear of the Lord and fear not are spoken over 500 times in the Bible. Here are just some of my favorite examples. Perhaps one of my very favorite Bible verses is about fear. It's from Joshua, and it's Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightful or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Psalm 23 verse 4. I will fear no evil. Psalm 27 verse 1. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 34 verse 4. He delivered me from my fears. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and our strength. Psalm 56, verse 3. When I'm afraid, I trust in you. Psalm 91, verse 4. Under his wings, you will find refuge. Psalm 107, verse 28. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Psalm 112, verse 6. The righteous will never be shaken. Isaiah 41, verse 8. Do not fear. I am with you. Matthew 6, verse 26. Worrying won't add a moment to your life. Matthew 8, verse 23. You of little faith, why are you afraid? Luke 1, verse 12. 
Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Luke chapter 1, verse 29. Do not be afraid, Mary. John 14, verse 25. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Romans 8, 38. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. The Spirit of God does not make us timid. And 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. There is no fear in love. In this podcast, we're looking at what Jesus tells us we can expect in this life. Well, it's kind of like a warning label, but he also gives us words of comfort so that we don't have fear. Jesus does not want us to be ignorant of what most likely will happen in this world, but he also gives great assurance of our eternal salvation. This is where our hope comes from. Our hope is not in this world or of this world. How difficult it is for those whose only hope and joy are in the fleeting things of this world. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 10. And this is where Jesus is about to send out his 12 disciples. And he is advising them on what they can expect as they share the good news of Jesus and his kingdom. Well, what is this good news that they're sharing? They're going to tell everyone who will listen that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Savior of the world. And that anyone who believes in him shall not die eternally, but will live eternally with Christ. Now, what does Jesus tell his disciples that they should expect when they go out and share this news? After all, this is what they've been waiting for. This is amazing news. Shouldn't they expect to be welcomed with open arms? I mean, shouldn't they expect the red carpet treatment? Shouldn't they expect that everyone is going to be so grateful to receive this news and will then agree with them and thank them? No. This news, 2,000 years ago and today, is threatening to some people. And Jesus warns them. He explains that The disciples will basically be telling people that they need to stop doing what they're doing. Jesus warns his apostles, you're going to be telling people that there is a God and that God is not them and God is not their agenda, their desires, or their own personal understanding of truth and justice and fairness. Listen to what Jesus says. This is the warning label. And whatever town or village you enter, find out 
who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. Did you hear that? We are sheep in the midst of wolves. Okay. (laughs) I know this is about fear and I'm actually feeling a little uncomfortable right now. We were just camping this past weekend and (laughs) we came across a herd of a few hundred grazing sheep out in the middle of nowhere, out in the woods. And there were a couple of stragglers. They were some sheep that were way behind the herd. And my husband and I were both remarking to each other that we were certain that they were the ones who were going to be eaten by the wolves or coyotes or mountain lions. And Jesus says he's sending them out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Sheep are pretty defenseless. But wait, there's more. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. Jesus is telling them that even their own religious people, he said, people in the synagogues and their own governments may be against them. Jesus is warning his apostles that when they stand for the truth of the gospel, they will make enemies even in the most unexpected places. When they deliver you over, Do not be anxious about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it's not you who speaks, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Oh, wow. This is truly what happened to Paul on a number of occasions when he was arrested. And it's definitely what happened in Acts chapter 4, verses 8 through 14, when Peter and John were arrested. And the scripture says they were empowered by the Holy Spirit to know what to say to their accusers. The Holy Spirit gave them the words to say. But I don't know about you, but I'm still thinking I would like to just avoid this situation altogether. Thank you very much. But Jesus has more. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you 
will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly, I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Jesus is warning his followers that not everyone will agree with them, not even their own families. Buckle up. It will get nasty. Then Jesus says, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant to be like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? Let me explain. So people were calling Jesus Beelzebul or Beelzebub, which is a name for Satan or the devil. And so Jesus is basically telling his followers, look, if they call me Satan, they're definitely going to be accusing you of being Satan too. They're going to call you haters and racists and sexists and bigots and hypocrites and pretty much every name in the book for my sake. Just be aware, good is sometimes labeled as evil. Jesus continues, so have no fear of them for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Wow, this is powerful. What did Jesus say about fear? Whom did Jesus say to fear? Pay attention. He said, not to fear those who can kill our bodies, but he said, he who can kill our soul. In other words, people cannot harm us eternally. Satan, yeah, he's the one who can continue to torment in eternity. But then, what assurance does Jesus give them and us so we don't have to fear this? Please listen. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Please know, that the soul of believers cannot be harmed. If you're baptized, 
You are his. You have his assurance. God himself will acknowledge us if we acknowledge him. Nothing that happens to you can shake God's love for you and his promise to you. I like what my NIV study Bible says about this particular passage. It says, quote, God is aware of everything that happens, even to sparrows. And you're so much more valuable to God than any sparrow. In fact, you're so valuable to God that he sent his only son to die for you. Therefore, you never need to fear personal threats or difficult trials because these cannot shake God's love for you. End quote. Well, you might ask, because I ask, why can't we all just get along? Why does there have to be such conflict? Just in this short passage, Jesus warns his disciples they can expect conflict from the government, from religious people, and from their own families. Well, since sin entered the world, there has been and always will be until Christ's return, conflict between believers and non-believers. Those who are resisting Christ will always want to duke it out with those who are believers in Christ. Why? Believers are threatening the non-believers way of life. Following Christ, make no mistake, means death to self. And I'm going to say this again because you cannot serve two masters. You are either master of your domain or Christ is. Yeah, it is costly. Yet we need to persevere even under persecution to deliver the news of Christ and his salvation. We have the promise from Jesus that he will come again. And then all conflict will be resolved because the non-believers will have the proof <laughs> that they have continued to deny that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the eternal judge of the living and the dead. What does the Bible mean when it says to fear the Lord our God? I really like the way gotquestions.org explained this. They say, quote, For the unbeliever, the fear of God is the fear of judgment of God and eternal death, which is eternal separation from God, according to Luke chapter 12 and Hebrews chapter 10. So for the non-believer, fear of God means death. But for the believer, the fear of God is something very different. The believer's fear is reverence of God. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 28 through 29 has a good description of this. Quote, Therefore, 
since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and with awe. For God is a consuming fire. This reverence and awe are exactly what the fear of God means for Christians. This is the motivating factor for us to surrender, die to self, to the creator of the universe. Proverbs 1 verse 7 declares, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Oh, I love this. It's not until we understand who God is and develop a reverential fear of him that then we can have any kind of true wisdom. In other words, true wisdom comes only from understanding who God is and that he is holy, just, and righteous. Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 12 says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength and all your soul. I actually like this anonymous quote about fear. We fear man so much because we fear God so little. It's true. Our hope comes from the Lord. If we believed more in God and who he is, we wouldn't fear man. Psalm 62 says, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. How much time, me included, do we waste worrying, fearing the things of this world when our salvation, our eternal salvation comes not from the things of this world, which are truly so trivial that not even birds worry about them, but our soul finds rest in God alone. Our salvation, which is the only thing that truly matters, comes from him. Let's summarize what we've learned. First, we don't need to fear those who can hurt us with words or deeds. <laughs> they can only kill us once. We are God's chosen people. We're his. Our soul cannot be harmed. The enemy is the devil. He's the one to fear, not for ourselves, for we're saved, but for those who choose to not believe. This is why we need to be bold and fear not, as the angel said to Mary. We need to be bold in our testimony of who Jesus is. He is to be feared. He is Lord of all. He will come back to judge the living and the dead. Those who are his look upon him in healthy fear and reverence. Martin Luther reminded us to fear and love the Lord at all times. For those who do not believe 
the Lord will be seen as a harsh taskmaster and a cruel judge. For those who do not believe, there will be eternal death. That is the death to be feared. Share the good news. Fear not, for I bring you great tidings of joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. Have a blessed day.